Spoon Man is a stupid song. It's not a good song. It's so oh. dumb. It's so dumb. Okay. Also, yeah. I'm going to follow that. Most people just like Soundgarden because they're loud. Wow. <laughs> Not the summer any of us planned or imagined, but it's the summer we got. So I hope everybody's making the best of it, staying safe, having some fun. I'm up in Montana. I've been using some of my time to check out my tree dashers from all birds. So fishing, check. Boating, check. Jet ski, check. Hiking, definitely a check. I knew that in, uh, in Virginia. And out here, the terrain's a little, little bit different, but still, same quality shoe. I'm even giving them a big old check for barbecue maintenance and uh, monitoring, something I do really well at times, and sometimes I fall short. Uh, they're light. They're tough. They're great. Uh, they look great. Again, look good, feel good, play good. A fantastic athletic shoe, and I am so happy to be involved with Allbirds. They're our sponsor. They're a great sponsor, and I've loved working with them. Check out the Tree Dashers at allbirds.com. Happy Wednesday, everybody. This is Chris Long, and you are listening to the Green Light Podcast. I have a great guest on today, somebody who I spoke to earlier. I know that because, again, guys, I, I tape these opens late at night when all the hay is in the barn, which means basically the work is done for anybody who uh, has never heard that saying, which I'm sure is most of you. Um, Mina Kimes had a convo with her early today, had her on to talk. Um, Grunge bands, we have argued offline about Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam, obviously one of my favorite groups of all time. Well, I say obviously. I, I assume you guys read all my fucking tweets and listen to my podcast. I love Pearl Jam. Doesn't mean I don't love Nirvana. Uh, Mina loves Nirvana, which makes sense. Mina is one of the cool kids, and I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. I feel like it's like the cool thing to like Nirvana more than Pearl Jam. And I had Kenny Mayne on the other day, another Seattle icon, and he is team Pearl Jam. He thinks uh, some Pearl Jam records should have been uh, put in the time capsule at the Space Needle. Um, I believe the 100th year anniversary of the Space Needle is in 2062, if my memory serves me correctly. Um that, of course, in the wake of the Kraken news, the other finalists for the name of that franchise are going to be preserved in the Space Needle as well. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Seattle. I'm talking about grunge bands. I'm talking about the fact that you can love Pearl Jam and Nirvana at the same time. And Mina and I are going to talk that out. It's long overdue. She's one of my favorite people in the media. I really mean that. Um, she's so on point with the football stuff. Um, and she's just got a great personality and she's funny. She can play the ESPN game because, you know, it, it takes a certain talent to do ESPN type of stuff. But I think her talent also translates really well to podcasts. She's great on social media. I don't hate her Twitter. That puts her in the, the minority, to say the least. Um, she's just awesome. And I've been waiting to have her on the pod. So I get her on today. And again, grunge bands. We're obviously going to talk about the MLB. A lot of cancellations, even since Mina and I talked uh, earlier today, there's been like more stuff with the Marlins and the Phillies, uh, baseball stuff. I, listen, guys, if you, if you thought this was going to work, I know that like some people accuse me of rooting against sports. I think you're eternally optimistic. And, um, you know, with all the COVID opt-outs that we've seen today, I mean, it's just a rash of them. You know, I shouldn't say COVID opt-outs. That makes it sound like guys got COVID. The opt-outs for the 2020 season, obviously because of COVID. I mean, we got like 20 of them today, it felt like. Uh, and there was this kind of silence a little bit after LDT from the Chiefs dropped that bomb that, you know, the only doctor in the league is going to be the first guy to opt out. Today was the day the dam broke a little bit. And uh, I just, it doesn't make me feel optimistic about the uh, the season. Believe me, I got some weird messages the other day from people in my DMs about 
you know, are you just mad because you're not playing? Are you like anti-football? Is this some sort of hot take to get attention? No, like nobody ever credits me with my awesome takes. This is a fucking mom and pops style podcast. This is a bootstrap podcast. I could fire off the greatest take in the world. Nobody's going to pick it up. And yeah, I'm actually ecstatic I'm not playing football right now. I could not imagine playing in front of no fans. Sounds like the worst thing on the planet. You know, I drew so much in, you know, effort, intensity. I'm intrinsically motivated and all that, but like the fans are, that's what football is about. That's what makes, you know, 70,000 people on third down. Why do you think I love third down so much as a player? I mean, it's not just that sacks make you money and get you respect. It's that rush, that feeling, and you don't get that this fall. And uh, so, yeah, safe to say I'm not hating. I am uh, happy I'm not playing. And uh, I also enjoy football very much. I enjoy watching it. I love spending time on the weekends drinking beer, talking football. Another thing, full disclosure, is that like it would be bad for business for me to not have a football season. Of course, I know that my pockets are one of the least important things on the planet right now. Uh, but if you're going with the, what Chris is, is rooting against football uh, thing, based off of those hypotheses, you're just fucking wrong. Uh, I just see it the way I see it. And I see that, you know, it looks damn near impossible to contain something like this for the entirety of a season. I guess the question would be, what is success? And I think for me, success is competitive, um, an even competitive playing field, relatively speaking. I mean, if you play this year, there are going to be outbreaks. Guys are going to miss weeks. You might miss quarterbacks, might miss some time key players but what we can't have is some teams playing 12 games some playing 16 you know we we can't have franchise quarterbacks missing you know two weeks of the playoffs um you can't have an entire o-line wiped out because covid struck an o-line room and then you're trotting out a rookie quarterback or something like that or any quarterback really you can't have all that and you got to finish with a championship and everybody's got to stay safe. You can't have a player or a coach go on a ventilator. You can't have, you, God forbid, you can't lose somebody. So if the NFL can do all those things, I would say this is a successful season, especially against all odds, uh, you know, because I, I'm certainly one of many that are doubtful that they can pull this off. And that's not personal. I'm not anti-football. I just, man, it doesn't look great. I hope I am wrong. I hope you guys rub this shit in my face. Like they made um, Will Ferrell, like they pushed his face down in dog shit. Or was it John C. Riley and Step Brothers? I hope you guys do that to me with this take. If it turns out to be a turd, I will be happily collecting football-related checks all fall. And you can tell me how dumb I am, and I'll be ecstatic. And I'll have something to watch on Sunday, and I won't be losing my mind watching Netflix shows sporadically. Guys, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. Anyways. Uh, long tangent on COVID. It's like, can we figure out a different way to talk about COVID every day? I feel like pandemic first take. One more thing. Somebody got paid today and uh, it was Joey Bosa. For those of you who do not watch football and uh, simply are spoon-fed ESPN talking points, you would think he did not play football anymore since his brother got in the league. And Nick is a hell of a player. Joey Bosa is the real fucking deal. And he got paid to the tune of $135 million, ton of guarantees, big day for him. Biggest uh, defensive contract in NFL history. And it is amazing to me that he is still underrated. Now he is not underpaid. It's going to be hard to live up to that contract no matter who you are. That's the reality of signing a big deal. Most people are going to say at different junctures, he ain't getting it done, especially because People don't know what the hell they're talking about or they're just reading the stat sheet and Joey might have a slump. He might come out of the gate for three games this year and not have a single sack. But once he gets that first sack, uh, because that is a big monkey to get off your back when you just got paid, he's going to continue to be the guy he's been, which is an absolute terror. One of the best rushing defensive ends in the NFL, hands down. I just, in some of the reactions today, I it seemed like people were surprised that he would get paid to that tune that's where the market's going and i understand that like that's a lot of money and that's what surprised some people but some people were like is he that good yeah dude he's that fucking good go watch some tape check out his production since he's been in the league and uh he is one of the most creative rushers um that i've seen 
as a young player in my time in the league. They're doing something right at Ohio State, getting these guys ready for the league. And if Chase Young is anything like him, he's going to get paid probably like $200 million. I have no idea when it's his time, what the market's going to be. But Joey Bosa, creative, long, leverage, strength, power, and a motor. So good for him. Congrats. And uh, just remember, this guy plays too. It's not just Nick, who deserves a lot of credit as a great player, but Joey is an absolute stud. Don't forget him. Mina Kimes of the Mina Kimes podcast featuring Lenny. Lenny is, of course, her dog. Like I said, she's one of the best. Let's get her on uh, and let's argue about some grunge, or maybe we won't argue and talk some sports. I've been waiting for this a long time. We've got Mina Kimes on the pod, and uh, she's going to – I'm a little nervous about how much Seattle has been creeping into my podcast. We had uh, Kraken Talk last week. We had Kenny Main. We're going to talk grunge, baseball, football. Mina, how are you doing? Are you the busiest person in sports? Not anymore, actually. This is my last week hosting our daily podcast, um, NFL Live, it's launching, relaunching in a few weeks. So I'm actually pretty chill right now. I think you were the m- most requested guest on my football podcast, my podcast, the Mina Kime right. Show featuring Lenny, which is just, just a football show. But I feel like you're too cool and famous to ask you to come on and do like a division preview, which is what I'm doing right no, now. Like, I don't, don't want to be like, like, let's talk about well, how does Zach Taylor optimize Joe Burrow with that terrible <laughs> offensive line? Like, I, I feel like that's beneath you. No, it's not beneath me. And I'm very flattered that you would say that because at times I've been like, I want to have Mina on, but I, I don't want things to be. I, I know that grunge isn't beneath you. So I felt safe inviting <laughs> you on the pod, but the feeling is mutual. So this is great. And I come on the pod anytime. And actually, to be honest, I never thought I'd say this, but this can be disturbing to hear for a, for a listener, but I'm not that crazy about sports. Like, um, <laughs> so this whole thing has not really crushed me the way it's crushed some people. But I'm also, it would be refreshing to talk about sports and maybe we can pre- pretend there's going to be a season. I actually love doing these division previews right now. Just like putting my head down, looking at the depth chart, being like, oh, wow, Reggie Ragland's on it. You know, like, I, I, I love it. I, I don't know. And I know it, it feels a little delusional right now and a little yeah. myopic and given it. But I mean, I don't want to do 45 minutes on COVID procedures and whether it'll work. I don't fucking know. OK, yeah. like I, I'm I, I agree with everyone that we need to try harder and do better and all that. But uh, there's a part of me that just finds it really escapist to talk about football. It does. It's it's almost like not that talking about grunge is any less, but like <laughs> I, you know, it just when when the tie-in with sports to me right now is that it seems like there's and you mentioned it, and we are dealing in a lot of unknowns, but there there's a lot of force jobs going on. It feels like that, like the NFL, you know, they are force job central. The egos involved, the money's involved, and that sort of thing, and we'll see how it plays out, but. I do feel like with, with the element with sports is you're not just talking about something that exists. You're talking about something that's going to exist in spite of a pandemic forcefully. So it just feels kind of dumb to sit here and be like, well, who's got the best secondary? But it's still refreshing to do it from time to time because we run out of like ranking LaCroix. I saw. Is that how you say LaCroix or LaCroix? No, no, no. no. First of all, Spindrift, Spindrift. not LaCroix or whatever you say. Yeah, this is the far superior uh, carbonated beverage. What do you got? Uh, gross disgusting you know it has cockroaches and i don't that might be slanderous and incorrect but there was a urban legend you can get sued for libel there it's kind of like um with mad and i i for those of y'all listening i held up she's got a spindrift i have a lacroix now the only reason i have a lacroix is because my parents have that garbage in the fridge and i hate that stuff spindrift has a lot of sugar though in it i I do want to air that out Uh, that's probably why it's more flavorful and delicious. I have been working it into like subtly working it into every visual medium I do to the point where they sent me. <laughs> this is so shameless. I went on um Jesus and Mero happy hour or something. Yeah. And I just um I was drinking it and they asked me about it and I asked Spindrift to sponsor me. I think I coined the term spinfluencer and they sent me every flavor. And I don't know how to keep this grift going, this drift grift, but I want to because I fucking love it. We go through like a good. case of this a day. I like the blue one with the lemon on the front. Good. good okay. Too. Okay, good. We agree there. Um, but I, I, I have no opinion on that. I, I, along the slanderous lines when it comes to like beverages, it reminds me of an urban legend that there's fiberglass in Mad Dog 2020s. Have you ever heard I've this? I've never one? heard that one. Wait. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Fiberglass. <laughs> 
Is that, that's like somewhere between the Jamie Lee Curtis urban legend and the Richard Gere hamster urban legend. Like somehow that's like, we're about the same age, I think. How did that slip past me? Yeah, I mean, I think, are you, I'm 35 and- I'm 34. Okay, so yeah, you were you were sipping Mad Dogs the same year as I was. I, I, presume, I don't know if punks, as you proclaimed yourself to be in high school and in college. Edge. edge. I don't know if edgy people drank uh, Mad Dogs if it was just the meatball football player. I'm I'm not a big drinker. Never been a huge drinker. Good so for you. Good for you. Mad Dog person. Yeah. But Mad Dog is rumored to have fiberglass in it to deliver the poison <laughs> faster. Um, and I believe it because when you used to drink one Mad Dog, you do the math. You say alcohol content. Well, it doesn't look that crazy. Uh, it's it's not like a gallon, and you would just be stumbling down the street like a teenager with their first buzz. And it makes sense to me that there is fiberglass in there. So it totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah so we're you yeah, you're you're sl- But as far as the the shameless plugs thing, what is the best way to get a sponsorship to contrive one? Is it IG story? Is it a tweet? Is it just talking? Because I'm new it's, to this. Yeah, I'm I'm not that good at IG either. I'm trying to get better at it. I think you have to be hot. I think that that seems to be the common denominator. You have to be, you have to post a lot of selfies. Um, and I've been, I'm, I'm mostly like crossword screenshots. So I'm yeah. not, it's not yeah. working for me so far. So I, I figured I should go. I don't want the brands don't have to come to me. I'm going to go to the brands. Right. And yeah. uh, Spindrift is a brand I actually enjoy. By the way, I feel strongly about it. So if you're listening, Spindrift, keep them coming. Spindrift is definitely listening. It's well, it's I don't want to say definitely, but it's probable. And I did the same thing with Flow Water, which is an alkaline boxed water, like lightly flavored. <laughs> You've probably seen it at your local Safeway since you're a packed Northwest person, but uh, we've seen them at you know Kroger and that sort of thing, things we have back east. But mm-hmm. you should try Flow Water and Flow Water if you're listening, come get your boy. I don't have a lot of conflicts of interest in this space. So not to say I don't have ads or that we don't have a lot of listeners, but come get your boy. All right. I put you on my story last week. You didn't say anything. You didn't like my story. You didn't do at them. I did at them. I've seen. So let's start. Let's start with the NFL before we get to the main event, which is All the right. grunge. We, we knew it was a matter of time. I've talked to a number of players who seem to be pretty tentative about participating this season privately. Of course, though, like anything, nobody wants to be that first person. The NFL has one doctor by my count. And that doctor said, I'll take my chance on a COVID wing, uh, essentially. Are you shocked to see this many players this early? Yeah, actually, it's, it's a little more than I thought. And there's some higher profile players than I thought. I thought we might see like a, some of the older ones, guys on the margins. Although when you think about it, guys on the margins probably need the money more. And it makes right. sense that it's got, it, it's, mo- it's been guys who have made their money, right? I mean, we, we were talking about the Patriots before, Hightower, Chung. Yeah. I guess Cannon hasn't really gotten paid. But, well, Cannon, uh, so Cannon hasn't got, well, and I always thought Cannon is a huge part of what they do when he's playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, not to uh, dump on Cam, but he's used to worse than having to lose True. multiple offenses. Like, he could lose all his O-linemen in, in, in New England, or they could all opt out, and he'd still be like, oh, this isn't a bad gig. Uh you know, Did you see the people, uh, the immediate Bill Belichick conspiracy theories that hit the internet? Uh, like as soon as, oh, okay, this is, yeah, Bell knows. I think Trevor Lawrence was trending for a second. So here's the problem with that, Mina, and you can tell me because you're up on the football stuff even more than I am. It's like, I really do think Jacksonville is just married to Trevor Lawrence, and I don't think they're going to have to try that hard. I think that New England would have to go out of their way a little bit with what they have institutionally from a sense of like coaching, you know, quote unquote GM uh, structure, continuity. Even if they lose these players, I think there's a distinct possibility they end up number two in the sweepstakes. And then that's like, what was the point? It's so like, you know, you can't really tank in football because you never know what's going to happen. It's so unpredictable. Jacksonville seems to be doing like kind of a Miami. Where I did it for eight years in St. Louis. (laughs) Um, they seem to be doing kind of like a Miami light sort of thing. And, you know, Gardner Minshew's going to mess around and win them a few games probably. And like that pass rush is still pretty good, especially if Ngakwe doesn't get traded. But I look around the NFL and I don't really see worse teams, right? Like I was trying to think of, okay, who's in contention for the bottom of the league it's pretty hard. You know, some people have said Washington. I think that front seven's too good. Yeah. Um, 
Carolina is going to be better than people think. I think. I mean, they're not you know still worst team in the division. It's just hard to find a terrible team. So there, there's a few, yeah. but even the ones that are quote unquote terrible are unknowns. I mean, Joe Burrow might be live up to the billing even in a short off season and be great. And you look at like because somebody asked me a question about San Diego and the wild card earlier, and we can tee that up later. But when you look at bottom dwellers in the AFC, at least there's only like four teams that I could say for sure are like locked in to have a subpar season for sure. I mean, even teams like Cleveland who are perpetually a laughing stock have so much talent now. I mean, and you just don't know it's all on Baker and it's all on Stefanski who I really like. So who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I, I look at this new England thing and I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's like individually psychological for like a New England team and being like, hey, we're used to putting out this extra effort, this championship effort, but mm-hmm. there's no championship payoff this year. Our continuity's different. You know, we've already lost mm-hmm. five players on that defense who played the most snaps out of like, you know, five of the yeah. eight players who logged the most snaps. Cam's an unknown. Is it worth it? You know, Marcus Cannon, by the way, had a non Hodgkin's lymphoma, and that's why he, he's one of the three guys who have been out under the designation of high risk right now. I mean, even without Chung, it's still an elite secondary. Yeah. And, you know, Jackson had been kind of threatened to play more anyways. And it's Bill Belichick. You think, okay, he can gin up a pass rush out of, like, cardboard. But they're testing him. They're really testing him. Although they got, they got, I think we'll learn a lot about New England and, like, what you're saying, the approach over the next week or so or a few weeks because they've got money now. I think, like, $20 yeah. million dollars I saw. And there's still a ton of pass rushers sitting out there, not just Clowney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everson Griffin, Jabal Sheard, Cameron Wake, the ageless Cameron Wake, right? So yeah, I think we'll sit, kind of get a better sense of what they're thinking this season, depending on whether they sign anyone. I could see a Jabal return. He was really loved there. Um, we kind of did a lot of the same dirty work when I was there that year. And he just was a, he's a physical guy who can play inside out. And he also is like Bill's kind of guy. I don't know that Everson is a guy that can't quite stand up you know, and, and, and play like, do, do what Winovich does, which I think right. did a surprisingly good job there last year. And he's not a guy, as you saw in the playoffs, that wants to put his hand in the dirt and play a head up block, like in a six technique, like the storyline to that game to me, and I've always been a big Everson Griffin fan was that Everson Griffin is not that interested or capable of playing the run like he maybe once did, or maybe George Kittle was that good, but it was a problem. So yeah. I think Bill might look at that tape and worry. I think the Eagles could take a stab at Everson Griffin. Um, I think but you're right. The front seven. Look at you talking. You said we were going to talk football. We're talking about. We're getting <laughs> into ball. it. Uh, I actually would love to hear your take on this, so I can steal it when I record my podcast in an yeah. hour. Because the high tower thing is really interesting. Because as you mentioned, Winovich, like they've got Josh Uche right from Michigan. Yeah. These like upside, versatile, multiple. You know. Uh, Bill loves to use these guys a different way. But my question is, okay, without Hightower, does that all work, right? Because he's the the brain center, I forgot what the yeah. center brain's called, of that defense. And it seems like it would get a lot, uh, get pretty challenging. I hope it's not the frontal lobe. That's what they say we we oh, use a lot to hit That's the aggression right one, right? Okay, yeah. well, good. So that we could use a little less of that. Um, Hightower. The cortex. Yeah, no. the cortex, the whatever. The I don't know this shit, dude. I don't so, know. I, it's not chemistry, but I was going to say I, I struggled in all the sciences and chemistry. I spent two years in it. I loved it so much. Shout out to Meg Van Lu, my, my high school teacher who also listens to the pod. I think the big deal about High, and I said this to you offline, he's the best defensive leader I've ever been around. He is a great football player, criminally underrated, and a great person. You know, when, I, when you talk about your time in New England, if you played there, if they ask you who the leaders are, obviously Tom is one. And I think he's remarkable as far as being every man relative to being on cologne ads. Like if you're on a cologne ad, you're not supposed to talk to other people in the locker room. He's still cool <laughs> with everybody and that sort of thing. So I want to give him his props. Hightower and Slater are two guys that really stood out to me as being like next level leaders. So not just that, you don't just lose, lose the production. And you've seen at different times when he's been hurt because you played at Alabama and then you go play in New England. Like that's, car crash after car crash after car crash inevitably he misses games they're not as good i think that they at least drop five spots on defense without him i think that bill can manufacture pass rush he can create scheme 
But without that centerpiece, as you mentioned, it's going to be very hard for them. And now Buffalo, a lot of people are saying, I don't think the take here is necessarily, well, the Pats are tanking. I think the take here is that Buffalo, if we do this thing, is, you know, New England's looking up at them from a standpoint oh, yeah. of talent and that sort of thing. Yeah, absent quarterback, they're the best roster. And it's not particularly close sure. top to bottom. I mean, that yeah. skill group is awesome now. And yeah. now their offensive line with Cannon out. I mean, I wouldn't worry as much about the Cannon thing if Dante hadn't just retired and mm. they had more depth there. But big deal. What you just said. No, what you just said is huge because if they're going to develop people, that was always like something they took for granted with Scar. And Scar was, is, you know, a Hall of Fame level coach. You know, if they gave it to position coaches with regularity, he'd have a gold jacket. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's scary. It's also, this sucks for Cam because you play your whole career. You play your whole career and you don't have any protection. You get so close. You're written off. You enter free agency in a year where there's no physicals. There's the biggest movement of, of known commodities at that position, like in recent memory. And then everybody starts leaving the team. <laughs> It sucks. 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 Right. Yeah, I know. And I was like, obviously their skill players aren't good or it's not a top tier group, but I've been saying ever since the camp saying, well, that offensive line is better than anything he's ever played mm -hmm. with. And you know, he gets that and the benefit of elite defense. And now that's being taken away. I was pumped to, I am still pumped, hopefully to watch the Pats this year with cam. Like I just thought it would be a really cool experiment. It's it was the first football story in a while where when the signing was announced, I was, pumped to watch football and yeah I was like, oh my god i cannot wait to see how this play kind of like the jamal adams i was just like oh i can't wait to see how Pete carroll uses him it's like those rare bits of news that actually get you excited about watching the games well it's a new storyline and it's the intersection of one of the biggest individual storylines and then the team that you know no matter what they do from here on out the next 15 years uh people are going to pay attention to the i mean the cowboys got basically a 30 year, year grace period to make first take every day uh, the Patriots, even after they win Super Bowls, will be. Uh, it's just it, it was a great intersection. I was looking forward to it as well. What do you do if you're a quarterback? Like, here's a better question, Mina. What do you do if you're a player and your quarterback opts out? Do you play? Like the team, you mean? Or yeah, like so. Russell Wilson, he's a new dad. I was trying to rack my brain, and I hate to say this. Win Wilson, Wilson is just a few days old. Okay, little win. Little win. Doesn't want, you know, his dad going to work and contracting COVID. And that's a real thing. I got a number of friends in the NFL who have new babies and that sort of thing. Like, there are fewer quarterbacks. What happens if a quarterback opts out? Is that team just mm -hmm. like, if you're on that team, are you opting out? Um, I will say Russell Wilson in particular does not strike me as a, an opt-outer, opter-outer. But... Um, <laughs> But I saw a, a, a piece of news or something about Seattle in particular that kind of cuts to this. I can't remember who reported it, but apparently they've got it. So like Russell, Russell Wilson and Geno Smith, who's their backup, will never be in the same place. It's like how the president and the vice president can't be on Air Force One, which, yeah. yes, I realize I'm comparing Geno Smith to the vice president. Well, um, Geno might be a better vice president. anyway. <laughs> elite coin toss. Uh, yeah. Pick, mm -hmm. Picker, Gino. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, you know, did the whole thing where he kind of said it both ways. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Love that. Respect that. Um, but I don't, I actually, I laugh when I saw that, but I bet every team's going to do that, right? Where the quarterback and the backup are like, they try to honestly don't even have the backup come in, right? If I'm a team, yeah. I tell the backup, stay home, stay the hell away in case there's an outbreak. Well, Bruce Arians was on, like, this was a couple months ago, and he had already started thinking about what do we do about quarantining quarterbacks. And, you know, Johnny Hecker was one um, with the Rams that he's a huge weapon for them. Why do you, do you really need specialists in to kick for 15 minutes a day and then play video games? Because that's what they do. Like, do you really need certain positions to come into work? Now, you know, I understand the whole backup quarterback being it. And here's another one, Mina. I think a lot of people write this whole thing off as, okay, players, they're young, they're healthy, you'll be fine. Okay, which is insensitive on its head. And also it's not considerate of like BMI and that sort of thing. And by the way, there are two types of opt-outs. One where you get an advance of $150,000 that tolls to your 2021. And that's if you just say, I'm out, which for some guys might be more profitable. There's two guys on the Patriots who opted out, the pullback and the alignment. 
who probably stand to make more money opting out than they did playing, or it's close. You, if you have a medical designation, you get $350,000 and it's not an advance. That's just 350. I looked at the list of designations or, or what it would take to get that designation. High blood pressure is one. Okay. How many guys in the NFL you think have high blood pressure? You think Marcus Cannon, I'm not being funny, who's not only in, at the at risk, um, in the at risk designation, he probably also has high blood pressure. Guys that are 340 pounds, they don't want to get this disease. How about coaches who are not young and not healthy? They don't sleep, they don't exercise, they can't even opt out. So it's just a total shit show. I mean, I just think, like, I don't know. I hate to be too pessimistic. What are you, you're rooting against football. That was the big right. uh, <laughs> argument online yesterday, which I, I, Kyle Brandt, I, I like Kyle Brandt who tweeted that and it kind of kicked off this, the usual Twitter thing where everyone just kind of quotes, tweets him and screams and like, uh, he's wrong, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. so what he tweeted was, uh, it feels like a lot of people are rooting against football when they're pessimistic. You saying that is what yeah. kind of got to me. And I think it's one of those things where we don't know what, what he's talking about, right? It's it's Twitter, so you read into it what you want, and you want you have the argument you want to have and the anger you want to have. You just redirect uh, it however you want. Yeah, exactly. Which is like every tweet we, you know, like for example, if I do think it's obnoxious when people are like, "See, I was right all along about COVID." At this, it's like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. but being realistic or pessimistic in your case, that's not rooting against football. That's just being honest. In fact, it's like rooting for football because if people aren't, you know, expressing those doubts, it's never going to happen. Like appropriate skepticism is more likely to keep it from happening, I think, at this point. But I I battle with that. I I don't want to be that person who's online every day, like saying, there's not going to be a season. Every time I tweet, people reply that to me now. Like maybe. There are are some people that, I'm sure do not want to see a football season because they don't like football anymore. And some of those reasons might be valid. Um, some of those might just be highly personal, but like, I believe me for my mental health. And this is a guy that played the game for a long time. I was never happier than sitting down, drinking beer and watching football. Okay. Or, you know, like, so you take that away from me this fall, I'm going to be super bummed. Take it from me. I mean, this is not me being mad because I'm out of the game or like anything. It's just, you watch baseball, you watch what happened with, um, it was the, uh, the Marlins just this weekend. I mean, the NFL, you talk about rescheduling. What happens if a quarterback goes down in the playoffs? I mean, forget how do you reshuffle games that you're going to miss because outbreaks are inevitable. You can test somebody every day, but there's a lag time and somebody's walking around with COVID, just hugging, shaking hands, sharing a hot tub, sharing a locker. You've got huge staffs. I know it's disgusting a little bit when you think about it, but there's going to be outbreaks and there's going to be canceled games. How do you make those up? Will the league wait a whole week for a game to be, if some games weren't canceled, if some games were like, what do you do? I don't know. So I saw someone say, I think it was a coach. I can't remember which one, like the team that makes it through the season might just be the team that wins. Yeah. <laughs> dark, but like there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, like whoever's the last man standing. Um, what about the MLB? Have you enjoyed watching? I watched the, the first weekend. Um, I'm a Mariners fan, which means you never really enjoy. Although, it, actually, I kind of have settled into like a calm nihilism about it. It's like it's not like being a Seahawks fan where they've been over the last eight years been competitive. So it's really stressful and upsetting. Right, all the time, and also it, they play a style of football that is also uniquely stressful and upsetting. But like, I have zero expectations when it comes to the Mariners, so I actually just kind of enjoy the experience of like having a beer, let, like doing some. Maybe, you know, I usually like I'm doing some emails at the same time that I'm watching yeah. baseball and, and like looking up every now and then. I, I enjoy that, and I and I'm I think the TV experience car. is normal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scorecard. I used to do that when I was a kid in the kingdom, but I, I found the whole broadcast to be very normal, like not off-putting at all. Well, you know, uh, the piped-in crowd noise was a little different, but maybe you're used to that being, you know, a Seattle Seahawks fan. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as she finishes her spin drift, there is a theory among players in the NFL that you guys pipe noise in at that. Beautiful yeah, yeah, no, I've heard that. I've heard that. Atlanta's the one that got caught doing it, right? Well, Atlanta, we just, I mean, you know, it's its easier to hate the Seahawks because they've been perpetually better lately. So 
Do you think, um, not to bring it back to football, do you think that the no home crowd thing is actually going to affect teams like Seattle and Kansas City? Yeah. I do. I really do. Because I, I've said this, that Seattle, a lot of it has to do with Russ, okay? Like Russ, those teams are not as good as people think, and you know that. I mean, I, just from top to bottom, like there are some real holes in that roster. But every year they're competitive because of Russ and because of the 12th man. And, you know, Pete, you, some people think they went in spite of him. I think he, he, it's a mixed bag. I, I, I really do believe that a team like New Orleans, who's going to be in a tight division race, um, who's going to lose that home field advantage over Tampa. And nobody's afraid to go play in front of that pirate ship. Uh, but that's a great equalizer. I, you know, like, and by the way, Super Bowl in front of the pirate ship in an empty stadium. You might as well. Let me pitch this real quick as I go off on another tangent. Move this thing to March and do this thing in Dublin, uh, Ireland, do a St. Paddy's Day Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> problem is, it's a great idea. Look, for, look credit where credit is due. That's brilliant. But Ireland's not going to let us in, right? I, I, I went on the Bill Simmons show like a few weeks ago, and I joked about how we should move football to New Zealand. Just because it was like the first country I thought of that, you know, crushed coronavirus. And it got aggregated by the New Zealand news and they were shitting on me. <laughs> they were like, we, yo, Kiwis. Are they Kiwis? No, no. Now they're going to shit on me more, but whatever, for, for being derogatory. But they, they were like, we don't want football. I'm like, I know, you got right. I was joking, but it actually yeah, is hard, hard. Like Canada, they rejected the Blue Jays, right? Yeah, I'm not, we're not really putting that evil on you, New Zealand, Ireland, but all press is good press. So I'm going to start every podcast indiscriminately firing off takes that involve moving football to different countries. Yeah, yeah. The the Ireland Super Bowl brought to you by Super Spindrift, right? <laughs> by Spindrift. But the ship thing is so funny. Like, I hope all the NFL teams still do their weird traditions with no fans, like yeah. the stupid Viking horn thing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, the worst. Or uh, in Arizona, they do like a drum. What is it? It's so loud. Oh, I don't know. Every time I go to Arizona, I'm just blown away by how much that stadium looked like a microwave or something in the desert. It was just bizarre. And the grass is pristine. I mean, the mm. fact that they, they actually wheel that shit in is unbelievable. I guess my point was that Seattle and teams like that will lose a bit of... And for like a team like... Yeah. The Chargers, who have gone on silent count is, in their home stadiums, they're like, yeah. Do you know um, Kevin Clark? Yeah. So I was uh, in a building, I don't know, I'm being weirdly vague, this morning, and <laughs> I saw a guy, I got into an elevator, another dude gets into an elevator with me, which already these days, I'm like, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm like, get the hell, you know, I, yeah, it, it's uh -huh. extremely 28 days later out there. And then he turns towards me and looks at me and he's wearing a Chargers mask. So not only is he the only dude in LA who loves the Chargers, he loves them so much, he bought a mask. Yeah. So he turned back around and Kevin's always joking about how they have no fans. So I took a creep shot of him because <laughs> I wanted him. I was like, see, I found one. I forgot to turn off the sound of my phone. <laughs> this is extremely Larry David. So the guy heard the 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 click sound and turned in. I was like, what do you do? And tried to play it cool. But um so there are charges. That's, terrifying. Fans that That's when you out. say I'm Mina Kimes. Do you watch me on TV? That would have gone over. I mean he's a football fan, so maybe. Yeah, he um, definitely knows who you are. He probably is telling this story. He's like, Mina Kimes <laughs> took a fucking picture of me. <laughs> um she should be hiring my chargers. I you're right. This is a huge advantage for the Chargers. You're absolutely right. I don't. The Seattle actually, though, they were actually. I pulled the numbers. They were actually worse away the last two seasons, which is crazy. And uh, there were a lot of misconceptions or, about them because people worse said, at home. Oh, I meant sorry. I flipped yeah, it. at home. Yeah, a lot of people told me that like you know Ross on the East Coast noon games. He's not that great, but like when you actually looked at it, and I even fell into this thing. Russ is really good there too. It's like Russ is pretty much good everywhere. By the way. I think the reason baseball works so well is because the broadcast is predicated on a podcast. Okay. These guys are basically pro podcasters. And I don't mean that disparagingly. Like there's no harder job than doing play-by-play -play in hockey. Okay. Baseball is harder in a different way because you're basically keeping the ball in the air and telling stories and podcasting, you know, which I think has its own challenges, but it's really soothing. It's like a benzo sport for me. Like Fully. I turned on baseball last night. And I melted into my chair. I, at first, I was pretending to give a shit. Then I was depressed because there were no fans. 
And then by like the second inning, I was like, I love this sport. I love this sport. <laughs> and I hope they make it to the finish line. Somebody belted a home run past all these smiling cardboard cutout kids. It almost decapitated them. Like it was just, there's just a lot of really hidden gem things going on in a baseball telecast right now, broadcast. You're so right about the podcast vibe of a baseball yeah. broadcast. Because most of the time you don't have nothing. It's kind of like doing sports radio on day three of the draft. Nobody knows who the hell these guys are. Mm. Or, you know, not sports radio, just anything like yeah. television. I mean, you know, Daniel Jeremiah knows who the like, sixth rounder from Appalachian State is, but no sane human being knows. So we're just like, yeah, team needs. Um, you know, their linebacker is not great. Even <laughs> I, I worked the Rams preseason last year, and like I could talk about what's happening on the field, but first of all, it has no bearings on what Sean McVay is going to do during the regular season. Nothing. No. Um, and it's, you know, 90% of the guys, you're never going to – I mean, they're not going to make the team, whatever. So most of the time, Andrew and I and Nate, we just ended up kind of doing radio and like yeah. talking about the Rams and the season. And I think baseball has that same calming energy to it. Could you imagine doing a preseason game in St. Louis? Uh, the LA Rams preseason games have to be a lot different. So I guess my one question for you would be, read the Mariners before we move on to another Seattle topic, which is grunge. Is it okay for you? I'm a long-suffering Knicks fan, and uh, I have resigned myself to having a side team, which coincidentally is the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I think every suffering, long-suffering, loyal fan, it's ironic to say, deserves a side team. Do you deserve a side team? I would love the Dodgers to be my side team, right? Because they're the best team. They have Mookie, who seems really cool. Um, their manager is half Asian. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's huge for me. Um, they're here, so I can go to the games in normal. I do sometimes. They're really fun. Yeah. I just feel like I can't make it the dot. Like your side team has to be a shitty team, right? Like for a while, I really liked the Bills. Right. I kind of loved rooting for the Bills a little bit because they weren't good. Like your side team can't be better than your main team. Similarly to like, you know, relationship. But the whole reason you have a side team is because your main team sucks ass. So, like, for me, being a Knicks fan since I was a kid, I've taken emotional breaks at various turns, but eventually I said, you know, if I want to keep this basketball thing alive and I want something to watch and I want to stay interested in the game, I need a side team. I don't think there's anything wrong with you having a good side team, and especially because the Dodgers have been kind of tortured as far as, and also they're the victims of, of uh, Trash Can Gate. Um, you know, there's a lot of things going for you that I think that it makes that a really palatable side team. Also, if the Dodgers are listening, because it's likely they are, the just the Dodgers organization listening to this pod. I want to take a, a shot in the dark here. Can we recruit Mina to be a Dodgers fan? Can we put a cardboard cutout of Mina in the outfield? If I'm just going to broker this deal right now, if there's a cardboard cutout of Mina at Dodger Stadium, she will accept the Dodgers as her side team. Do you agree to the terms of this deal? Okay. That just reminded me of something else, which is about a more, more side team logic. The Dodgers are too good because they're not going to, they don't need me, right? Like two they weeks ago, I know they don't need me. I decided to watch the Sounders, our Seattle soccer yeah, team. Yeah. They're so thirsty. They like wrote an entire article about me live tweeting the game. And listen, if you're listening Sounders, and I know you are now that I know that major sports teams listen to this podcast, I loved it. Okay. I'm not shitting on you. I respect the thirst. You heard us. I literally conveyed my thirst to get a brand to notice me on social media. And I feel like there's something strategic about picking side teams that love you back. Yeah, they got to love you back. They the XFL you. team or something, or in this case, right, it was the Sounders. So for me, I feel like if, I, if I'm going to have a baseball side team or a football side team, it's got to be a team also where the fans are appreciative. I can't even tell you if I like, okay, like the Titans, if I <laughs> praise like Jayon Brown, who's really yeah. good, yeah. right? But 99% of football fans don't know who the hell he is. Right. They go fucking nuts. Mm -hmm. Don't you have that experience? I became, because I don't really have, like, listen, I'm an Eagles fan because that's where I was last it's probably where I'll retire and there's no more St. Louis Rams but last year I don't even know if you could call it a side team I was enamored with the Titans and the Titans fans are excited to hear to yeah. your point 
Now, I don't plan on going to any games. And I th- you have this vision in your head, I believe, where you're walking down to find your seats at Sounders Stadium and people are patting you on the back and they're high-fiving you. And you're just going to be walking down you know, uh, the, the, the row at Dodger Stadium like, what the fuck? Nobody's – come on. This is my side team, guys. Me and Kimes here. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you're underselling yourself. I think you're going to get a, a raucous no. – no, no, uh, no, no. Just okay. Dodgers have like celebrity fans, okay? But I think we're really onto something. It, it. Listen, I don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about mistresses and misters, which I guess are female Neither mistresses. Do I, but I listen. To a lot of <laughs> but I watch a lot of television, and I, I've watched ballers, and I imagine you want one. Who need who's not like too good for you, right? Like you oh, want, yeah, yeah. want you want you want them to be appreciated. They need to need you're, you. So the Titans are like a mistress who's just fucking glad to get it. Like she just wants <laughs> to see you once every few weeks, and she's pumped. I just want you to be happy. Love the Tennessee Titans. It's all about your happiness, and I can spot it from a mile away. You know, if you're you're a Dodgers, yeah. Well, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna at the Dodgers, and we'll try to get this going. Nothing's gonna happen. So, so this feels kind of hipstery, which is your your mindset on side side teams feels a little hipstery, which is a nice segue into our grunge conversation. Your background is you grew up in the Pac Northwest, yes, Seattle. All over, but yes, my American side family, my family's all from Seattle, which is why I'm Seattle sports team, Seattle everything. And we're the same age. So in the peak of grunge, circa 1994, when all those groups had number ones and unfortunately the passing of Kurt Cobain and all that stuff, it was like over before it started. But I mean, we're still feeling the influence of grunge and music today. You were nine years old. Yeah. So this is all definitely music I mostly experienced in high school, middle school, high school yeah. later after the fact, for sure. Also, my brother drove me everywhere. So I just had to listen to whatever he listened to. Right. Uh, and so he mostly listened to like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, which well, we'll get to my takes. But yeah, so I grew up listening. To that. For the record, your brother is probably a PJ fan over Nirvana. Yeah, 100%. My brother is like the bro me. So, See, here's this bro yeah. stuff. So here's what I feel like. I'm the, just saying, I mean, no, come on. Come no, on. So, here's what I, so here's what I feel like. I've, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're my shaman on Nirvana. We've had conversations offline a bunch and on Twitter. I feel like we've we've had this unspoken dance about the elephant in the room is that you like Nirvana a lot more than Pearl Jam. And like a lot of Nirvana fans, I, I feel like you might not like Pearl Jam at all. I, not true. Not true. Okay, not true. And I feel like you might feel like I don't like Nirvana at all. I really like Nirvana. Okay, but I do feel like this has been I don't know if this is division that was intentional by like powers of be where you you pit the punks against the jocks and the bros and you know, you just go your separate ways. I think they made different music. So why why are we do, we're doing like a first take thing not to, to I was just about to say this is like first take. Um and it, Nirvana it, it, or Pearl Jam. Who's right, you better, can't, Bill Russell or Kobe? Like, you don't even know how many first take pre-production calls I've ruined by like doing what you just did being like, "Well, you know what? Wentz and Prescott are both good." And they're, they're like, and "The they're fuck is wrong good. with you?" Yeah, what the fuck? Let's get uh, binary. Uh I, yeah. I guess the question for me is is uh, when you're looking at grunge, there's two bands for me that that before we get into that those two bands, you can't count you can't count the Smashing Pumpkins, yeah. You, they're not grunge. They're not. Although Corgan has a lot of grunge connections, worked with a lot of bands, but yeah, the music is different. I was thinking about band. There's a lot of kind of grunge adjacent bands that came from Seattle in particular, and but I would not put them in that category. Yeah, they call them grunge adjacent. I also would say the same thing about um, Blind Melon, not grunge. Oh, I have a not horrible Blind Melon story. What happened? I, th- this is like a whole detour. I don't know if you want to know. It's, is it a good story? I hate when somebody asks you if it's a good story. <laughs> it's a story that is humiliating for me. But okay, people, let's roll with it if you feel like telling it. I'll try to tell it quickly. Um, You're big on self-deprecation, so this could be good. So when I first moved to New York... I lived in Greenwich Village and I used to always go to this bar every day and I desperately wanted to be a regular there. But the like bartenders were like really hot bros, just like no one ever acknowledged me. And I worked there every day. Put that, put a pin in that. So on Halloween, I want to say it was like 2007 because I just moved to New York, 2008 or something. 
um or it was the week of Halloween. You know, people like parties all of Halloween. Whatever. Yeah, and it, it falls on different days every year. Yeah, exactly. So, so I got invited to a party, like first New York party, whatever. So I, I, I spent hours putting together my Halloween costume, which the B-girl from the No Rain video, you know, oh. fucking sick costume with the, yeah, the glasses and the bee outfit or whatever. So I um, go all the way up to this party I'm invited to. It's like in Harlem or something. Door opens. And guy answers the door. He's wearing like a the hockey jersey. And I'm like, oh, you're from Ferris Bueller, a uh, friend, right? So he's like, no, I'm just, this is just a hockey jersey. Yeah. Opens the door. No one's wearing costumes. Oh. It's not a costume party. I'm dressed as the big girl. Not a single human being is wearing a costume at this party. <laughs> I know. I know. Also. It, it looks enough like somebody's like a, like somebody who's a little bit different trying to dress up, like being fun. <laughs> kind of fucking weirdo would wear a bee. Look at the picture. So, okay. So I'm like 22 or something. So I just get obliterated because I'm like, this is, I can't get through this party unless I'm just fucking obliterated. So then I leave verging on blackout. Very dangerous, by the way, because I'm by myself. This is, I'm single back then. Yeah. I go all the way downtown. I get out of my neighborhood. I have no idea how I got back to my neighborhood. It's a miracle. And I'm dressed, still dressed as the B-girl, but I'm just like stumbling down the street. Who do I see? All the dudes who work at that bar oh, that I God. go to. <laughs> <laughs> so I walk up to them. And then one of them's like, hey, from the Blind Melon video. And I'm like, thank you. Oh, and then one goes, yeah, yeah, you come to the bar. You work at the bar. And I start crying. And I go, you don't know how long I've waited for someone to acknowledge that. And I, I never went to the bar again. So basically, your shining moment that you had waited so long for was yeah. in a bee costume. Tough At scene for me. Presumably 3 a.m. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was. By the way, that's not terrible the terrible moment. That, um, that's evidently not Shannon Hoon's daughter. There's like a bunch of. There was. Um, there's a bunch of speculation on Reddit as to who that is. And I've oh, the gr actual girl. Oh. It's like a picture of a girl from like the seventies, actually. Um, really? Yeah. Um, by the way, huge fan of blind melon here, but they're more like, like, like grunge. Southern rock. They're not grunge. Yeah. Not grunge. And I just want to say while we're here, that soup is masterful and underrated. And, and they're one of the most, they're, they're one of the most oddly represented bands because they're one hit. Everybody knows, but, that hit was eclipsed on the same album by two songs that I can count off the top of my head, Sleepy House and Change. So shout out to Blind Melon. Sleepy House is a great song. Yeah, shout oh, out to Blind Melon. Oh, yeah. it's great. We've kind of um, outlined Sorry. the parameters for this debate. Well, it's not a debate because we're not debating. Uh, we just both <laughs> like different bands, one more than the other, but we both like the bands. So I guess, um, I guess the burning question for me would be, is grunge a movement or uh, is it a musical style since you lived it? as a punk self-proclaimed so it's <laughs> well okay the reason i told you that is because it really is the is the context you need to understand why i like nirvana so much more than pearl jam and soundgarden i think pearl jam is a great band man like incredible songs incredible longevity uh shouts to vetter for living being, yeah. you know, yeah, being, being alive, yeah, very right. cool, yeah. huge, massive points in his favor. Health yeah. is the best. Availability is the best. What is the NFL? Availability the is the best ability. <laughs> and by the way, the butthole surfers are still alive. So I just want to point that out. Okay. Um, is that is that a cancelable take that I just said Eddie Vedder gets points for? <laughs> I don't think. It, I don't think. But no, it is. It's fucked up and sad that there's so many. It's not just Kurt. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fucked up and sad, up. man. Super it's fucked the, up. The front men, and you know what, Dave Grohl though, for being such a legend, is just very happy and has great takes all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Continues to make good music. Awesome yeah. is not uh, Novoselic with terrible takes. Yeah. Um, but. Billy Corgan's takes have been pretty questionable over the uh, years. Yeah, it's best not to pay attention. Yeah. Um, cream, don't ruin it, buddy. Um, <laughs> never meet your. So, dreams. is it a movement or is it? Oh, yeah, 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 right. So, the punk thing is like, so I think punk's like Nirvana. If you like punk music, you you like Nirvana because a lot of Kurt's influences are post-punk. Punk. I mean, you know, like I love the Pixies, I love mm -hmm. Sonic Youth. Like, if you like those bands, you see like there's a lot of resonance with Nirvana. Um, Best Pixie so, song go. Sorry. 
I there's I mean it's, it's really impossible to pick just one Pixies song. Like is it best culturally? Like the my favorite favorite I mean, favorite favorite. Well, Do you I have mean, a, a hidden gem favorite that you can serve the people? What's yours? Wave of mutilation. Wave of mutilation. I mean, Bow Machine is my favorite. Okay. Okay. Bow Machine is my okay. favorite. It's so fucking good. Yeah. If I was a um, MLB hitter, that would be my walkout music. The grunge movement trend thing. Um, so it's all wrapped up in Nirvana because it would be neither this. We would you wouldn't even ask that question if not for Nirvana, which turned it into a trend, which of course Kurt mm -hmm. Cobain despised. Um, mm -hmm. You know the look of it, the feel of it, the teenageness of it, the politic politics of it, which you know, we can talk about. Yeah. Um, all of that stems from Nirvana. I so I think generally when we talk about it, we are talking about that broader like movement trend, not the nature yeah. of the music, because the music is really hard to define. Like it, like I really like Mud Honey. Um, and you know, is that grunge or is it more post punk? Like there's. Yeah. All these bands sound so different to me that it's really difficult for me to sort of put them all under one umbrella. So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it, while I think Nirvana, yeah, I thought Pearl Jam was going for a big stadium sound and like they had some really introspective, moody songs, which I love because I do love some of the moody or slower stuff. And yeah, they inevitably cross more into the poppy realm, it, some of their sounds, but they did some Nirvana things and Nirvana did some Pearl Jam things and vice versa and they coexisted. and. I guess another band that I want to shout out is Alice in Change because I don't want to piss that hive off. They're very, they're very, yeah. they're real. <laughs> the Alice in Chains hive. I went to a festival back when I was a business journalist. I was writing about the, the story about the music industry. It was like a weird rock festival in Indiana, and Alice in Chains was playing, and it was the new guy. Yeah, um, yeah I forget his name, but yeah. it's a. And he sounds great. I mean, I don't like them really. But he sounded awesome. It was a great show. I just uh, don't like their songs that much. Sorry. Little medley, little medley for me. I mean, there's some that I really like. And it's one of those bands that you respect, or at least me, I respect them. But it's not like I sit around listening to them all day. And also, Super Unknown is my first CD I ever bought. My mom took me to a CD store. Yes, that was a thing for some of you young people. And I got uh, Throwing Copper and... Uh, <laughs> throwing Copper? And, and, uh, and Super Unknown. And yeah. I've never been hit harder by a celebrity death than Chris Cornell. Uh, throwing copper. What was the lightning? Oh my god! Okay, when lightning crashes about abortion, right? Or no, it's about. I don't okay. know what it's about. It's about childbirth and something goes bad because the music. Oh video. no, Ben Folds is uh, brick is about abortion. Or, is it? Is brick? I don't about, know. Yeah, we, yeah, we I don't know. About. We were like twelve. We thought all these songs were about. Nothing. Yeah. Like songs that shock you and you're like, wait, that's about something totally more nefarious. Uh, it's just like uh, right over my 12 year old brain. I mean, Sublime had some heavy handed ones that I kind of knew were about things that, you know, I wasn't supposed to know about because they were a little bit explicit with it. Um, yeah. And yeah. every kid had the, the 40 ounce, the freedom poster on the wall. So I guess uh, I guess my take is that um, if Nirvana aged. It's the biggest what if in music, right. uh, to me at least, because they. My argument is that they're more, they're more important than they are enjoyable to listen to for me, and they're still very enjoyable to listen to, but they're maximally important for all the reasons you just mentioned. So it's not a knock on them; yeah. they're more important than I. And and to me, their live stuff is better than their studio stuff. The unplugged stuff, live at Reading, anytime it's, you could. Yes, you know? it's incredible. Yes. So, so I guess the big question mark is what if they age, you go to a Pearl Jam show now and they're still so fucking good, but it's filled with 40 year old white dudes and white women and everything just looks very homogenous. I think Nirvana would have, all the Nirvana fans grew up to get nice jobs too. Okay. So in utero, which is the superior album. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. The best Nirvana song is Harshay Box. It, it's a perfect yeah, song. It's a perfect song. There's literally not, it, I mean. I listened to it this morning just thinking because you told me we we're going to talk about this and I almost cried. It's such a good song. Yeah. Um, All Apologies is also like my second favorite Nirvana song. It's fucking. Um, okay, I wish. So, now you got, so give me your, your top four. Well, this, this, you're going to be excited about this or, you know, because so far we're right in the same vein here within Utero. We both think In Utero is superior to Nevermind. And my favorite song in the album is Heart Shaped Box, followed by All Apologies, followed by Penny Royalty, followed by Dumb, and then Serve the Servants. Those are my, that's my top five. 
I wrote it down. That's how seriously I took this. <laughs> I take all this shit seriously. Like, my wife's like, what are you doing today? I'm like, oh, I'm doing a pod. I'm ranking Nirvana songs. She's like, this is work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so and never mind. Or do an in utero because you asked yeah, for the in top. Utero, which we which we agree okay. again for the people. Crochet box. Yeah. Apologies. Serve the servants. Serve the servants is also just so fucking like because in utero was it's funny you you started off by talking about kind of fan bases right um, Pearl Jam walking around you look around and it's like a sea of you know bros and broettes yeah um, in utero was Kurt's way of saying like I don't want U.S. fans <laughs> get the yeah. fuck away from me yeah. to half of America and Serve the servants was like the first shot over that like mm-hmm. it was you know his way and and that's why when we talk about Nirvana aging I just think every album would have sounded different. Because yes. he was an artistic genius. Like, I think he would have gone in so many interesting, crazy directions, and his influences were so cool. And he loved, Kurt loved female artists. And yeah. I think he would have been more influenced by like a diverse musical set of influences. Yeah, no, because I agree. Like, Unplugged was always, for the longest time, I always contended that it was better than any of their studio albums. Um, now, In Utero, to me, just over the years, became the clear winner for me. But I think that Unplugged, and obviously it was a different kind of deal than a studio album, would have been more what the future looked like for them. You know, just more experimental, a little bit more, you know, um, I don't know, Vitology for me was the, you pair that with In Utero as two kind of front men that are tired of the pop shit and are trying to do something different. Now, Vitology, I contend there's more good songs on Vitology, but the highs on In Utero are higher and there's, there's less weight. There's a little, uh, there's like eight bangers on Vitology. There's only five bangers on In Utero to me. So if you like bangers too, that's. I mean, by banger, I mean a really good song. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you meant like a song that like slaps and like gets you no, going. No, no, no. Um, Bro code. My number four song is Rate Me, which is yeah. a feminist song, by the way, to anyone yeah. listening. And go read what her had to say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, Tori Amos loved it, you know. Um, okay, so then my Nevermind song. So here's how you know I'm not being a hipster. It smells like Teen Spirit, which the hipster thing is to not say smells like Teen Spirit because Kurt hated that people love smells like Teen Spirit. Um, but I, it's just like, it's just a fucking awesome song. So mm. I'm not going to be a hipster and say it, that it's not, you know, this like insane song that changed America for you like forever. Um, then I have Livium Breed, which is my favorite nirvana song because it has it i mean it's just musically is great come as you are is the broiest nirvana song and the most like pearl jam soundgarden etc mm-hmm. um it's a good it's a great song though so i was struggling between that and in bloom which i also really love um maybe i'm trying too hard not to be a hipster but i put that number four well it's funny because i was like all right i'm about to get on a pod with a mariners fan from seattle that loves nirvana more than pearl jam i better be i better come correct with my list but here it is smells like teen spirit is one and i said literally i wrote down don't overthink it um <laughs> you know there's so many bands that were catapulted into the mainstream as a result of that i mean they didn't debut that album didn't debut high on bill on the billboard that single like shot it up and you know it was I guess it's written for teens, but like I'm 35, it still slaps. And you know, the last couple minutes of that song is amazing. The same thing, and I had come as you are too. That two minute mark is legendary for me. The guitar, that's I mean, what you can't listen to that song and like not your body like moves. Draw, you know, all it yeah. All, yeah, yeah. On a plane's three for me, in bloom is four. And by the way, I think anybody listening should check out Sturgill's rendition. That's Sturgill Simpson of uh, In Bloom. It's terrific. A few years old. Um, and then lithium for me, it just drags a little bit and drain you should receive a, an honorable mention vote. So any other music takes uh, when it comes to grunge, because I told you to, to have a few ready before you got to go. You've mm. been gracious with your time. Okay. Let me think. I was, I was really dialed in on Nirvana. Okay. This is one that I, I, I'm a little bit, this is my most potentially divisive. Spoon Mam is, pardon me. Damn it. This is always like I always do this on first take where I'm like I'm like rare. You're like, here's my take. take. <laughs> my first day of time on first take, I I I had this incredible James Harden take, and I was like, yeah, but James Farton. <laughs> 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 and then I couldn't deliver it because I'd fucked it up. Because the delivery is more, you know, you watch more the important. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. 
Spoon Man is a stupid song. It's not a good song. It's so oh. dumb. It's so dumb. Okay. Also, yeah. I'm going to follow that. Most people just like Soundgarden because they're loud. Wow. It's God. a volume thing. It's a volume thing, man. People like music that sounds good loud. That's a lot of grunge talk. We got the NFL in. We got baseball in. Mina, where can we catch you one more time? Yeah. Um, the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny. Get it wherever. I'm actually got to go tape that now. Uh, and then at some point, NFL Live. But in the meantime, I'm on Around the Horn and Highly Questionable on ESPN. Awesome. Mina Kimes, this was long awaited. Ne- definitely not a disappointment. You got to come back. And once you're the uh, official cardboard cutout of the Dodgers, <laughs> you're going to be a hot commodity on this show. So we got to get you back. All right. Oh, the Dodgers are going to call me right after this. Just <laughs> whoever the Dodgers are. Just turn your phone on tomorrow morning. That's when this drops and all the pro organizations and sponsors listen to it. So it could be a lot of good things coming your way. Thanks for joining us, Mina. Thanks for having me.